12. We're ministering on what to do when you don't know what to do. What to do when you don't know what to do. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12 reads, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that come against us. Neither know we what to do. Come on, say that. Neither know we what to do. But he said, but our eyes are upon thee. Once again, we have all faced situations and circumstances in our lives where we just didn't know what to do. Now, we're looking at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we've seen where I said right here, neither know we what to do. And we know Jehoshaphat in this story, in this account, has three armies coming against him. And we know this is a life and death situation. Come on. A life and death scenario. Why? Because these armies are coming to plague, to pillage him. They're coming to plunder. They're coming to rape. They're coming to steal. They're coming to kill. Come on, say amen, somebody. And they understand if they lose this battle, they will have to watch their wives and their daughters get raped in front of them. They will have to watch their sons slashed and beheaded and burned alive. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen, because everything you see in the Old Testament, you see today. Amen. So in verse 3 it says, and Jehoshaphat feared. We know that word fear is reverence. So Jehoshaphat feared or reverenced the Lord, and that reverence prompted him to set himself to do what? To seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of what? Judah. And we talked about some things you need to do if you're dealing with a serious situation. If you're dealing with a serious situation, the first thing you want to do when you set yourself to seek the Lord is you got to make sure you're clean. You got to make sure you're not in sin. Say that again. You got to make sure you're not in sin because why? Sin plugs up your hearing. It makes you dull of hearing from God on what to do when you don't know what to do. So the first thing you got to do is make sure I'm what? Clean before God. The second thing we talked about, don't panic. Stay calm. Tell your neighbor, don't panic. Stay calm. And the next thing is you have to realize you're not alone in that situation. Say it again. You're not alone in that situation. God is right there with you. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. So he's right there. So tell your neighbor, you're not alone. Then in verse 4 it states, and Judah gathered themselves together to do what? To ask help of the Lord or to petition. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to do what? Seek the Lord. Well, the next thing we talked about, inquire of the Lord. Do what? Inquire of the Lord and be open to whatever methodology God wants to speak to you. And God has all kind of ways to speak to you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then in verse 5, it says, Jehoshaphat, And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the what? Before the what? No court. What did he do next? Jehoshaphat went to church. He went to church to do what? To inquire of the Lord. Because why? In the church, the anointing is fresh. And you're more likely to receive your answer in the church. 
Not at home watching TV. Come on, say amen, somebody. And they said, somebody say said, verse 6. And they said, why? Because what you say is very important. Come on. That means I got to watch my mouth. I got to find out what he says and say that only. Find out what he says and say that only. So in verse 6, and they said, they said, oh, Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And ruleth not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? What do they do? They reference who God is. You got to know who God is to you. Let me say it again. You have to know who God is to you. They reference who God is, and they said, God, you are our God. And they understood we have a covenant with you, God. Amen. They're going to the word to find these things out, folks. They're going to what? They're going to the scriptures. What do you have to do? Go to the scriptures. Look at verse 9. Then they said, if when evil come upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy what? Presence. For thy name is in this house and cry unto thee in our what? Affliction. And we know then thou will what? That will hear and help. That will what? Hear and help. What's he doing? He starts putting God in remembrance of his word. Let me say it again. He starts putting God in remembrance of his word, but how can you put God in remembrance of a word that you don't know? See, Jehoshaphat knows his rights, and he knows what's in his covenant. How do he know? He went to the scriptures. Look at verse 12. And he said, Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that what? That comes against us. He understands and he's acknowledging. If I'm going to win this war with my power and my might and my ability, I'm already in trouble. Come on, are you with me out here? Then he says, neither know we know what to do, but our eyes are where? Our eyes are upon thee. In other words, I'm not looking at my situation. My eyes are where? Upon you. You can't look at your situation. You got to keep your eyes upon God. Verse 13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. In other words, the whole family gets involved. Let me say it again. The whole family gets involved because why? The whole family realizes this affects them. It affects the whole family. Even the kids know this. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because why? They were told what the situation is, not pretending like nothing is wrong. Like most parents do. And the kids already know, you should understand, they're smarter than that in these days. They know more than you in some cases. But you call yourself hiding it from the kids. Their ears are open. And their eyes are open. They're seeing everything and they're hearing everything. Matter of fact, some of them got their ear to the door. When you're trying to whisper. (laughs) 
So all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. Verse 15, the prophet speaks to him and he says, Hearken ye all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, be not afraid, nor what dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Why? For the battle is not yours, but whose? But whose? He said, don't be afraid. And don't allow yourself to get depressed. That's the word dismayed me. Don't allow yourself to get depressed by what's in front of you. Come on, say amen, somebody. You better understand the battle is not yours. But who? God. Now, we know they didn't have what we have. Amen? See, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. They didn't have that. So we don't necessarily need a prophet to tell us what to do. Hello? Because why? The prophet lives on the inside of you. Come on, are you with me out here? Amen? So the Lord speaks to them through the prophet, and he gives them instructions in verse 15 again. And he said, Hearken you, all Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by the reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but whose? But God, don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, don't allow yourself to get depressed. Get your head up. Why? Because the moment you put your head down, the enemy is getting ready to knock you out. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. Tell your neighbor again, get your head up. Then in verse 16, he says, gives them instructions. Tomorrow, go you down against them. Uh, they was wondering, wait a minute, Lord. I thought you were going to take care of this issue. And you want me to go down? Aren't you the big God? So why don't you just handle this? Come on, say amen, somebody. But he says it's because why? You are at least required to show up for the fight. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because faith requires steps to be taken. Faith requires action on your part. Somebody say, my part. Why? Because faith is acting on what you believe. We said again, faith is acting on what you believe. So if you believe and you have a word from the Lord and you believe that word, then you can't act like the word is not so. That means you got to do something. Tell your neighbor you got to do something. So he said, tomorrow go you down against them. Amen. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz and you shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness in Jeriel. So in other words, God said, I'm going to tell you where they are so you can't make an excuse that you got lost. <laughs> Amen. I'm telling you where they are. Verse 17. Then he says, you shall not need to fight in this battle 
Then he says, set yourself. Stand you still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Now first he says what? Set yourself. Do what? Do what? Which means to place as to stay. This is a mental attitude. Somebody say mental attitude. Now we know physically you got to do something, but you have to do something mentally first. See, you have decided mentally I'm not moving. You have mentally decided this is my place. This is my victory. This is my home. This is my family. This is my job. This is my position. Whatever it is, mentally, you have to go, this is mine first. It's got to be mentally first. Once again, we have too many Yellow Street Christians. And the moment a challenge comes, they're ready to fall apart. Oh, Lord, why me? Why me, Lord? See, like everything is going on with everybody else, good for everybody else, but not me. Why me, oh, Lord? Are you listening to me? Too many Christians are falling apart. Amen? See, if I do that, I'm in trouble. See, there's some things that I do, people know not, may not like I, what I do. They may not understand me. But everybody in here don't understand you. Oh, they may talk about me. Everybody in here has been talked about one time or another. Has anybody been talked about? Because as we know, People will smile in your face and stab you in your back. Come on, say amen, somebody. And we said, that, we said this last week, the ones that will stab you the deepest will be the ones you did the most for. Can I get an amen? They will cut you the quickest and they will cut you the deepest. Why? Because Satan uses them because he knows that's the one that will have the greatest effect on you. Even as a pastor, I can't be like some pastors that only preach what people want to hear. Amen? Just to stay popular. Just so I can keep people in the blue seats. And some people have left because of that. Why? Because they can't handle the word that I preach. But it's still the word. Come on, say amen, somebody. Well, what did Paul tell Timothy, the young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2? He told Timothy, preach the word. Do what? Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove. Rebuke. And that's the, way, that's the part people don't like. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Then he says in verse 3, for time will come. And we're seeing that today. For time will come when they, not, they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust, they will heap to themselves teachers 
having itching ears. In other words, they'll go someplace where they're preaching what they like to hear. And it says, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and turn to what? Turn unto favor. Listen, my job, because I have to stand before God, is to say what the word of the Lord says and let the chips fall where they fall. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, if I get the tar beat out of me or if I get talked about, so what? I'm like the apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 4. What did he say? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4 says, So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of our God for your patience and faith and all persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is, man, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, which you also what? Suffer. Listen, you cannot back up from a fight, folks, just because you're afraid. Tell your neighbor, you can't back up. Stop being a chicken. Go back to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 17. He says, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourself, stand you still, don't back up. And see to what? Salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, don't be afraid. Nor be what? Dismayed. Don't allow yourself to get depressed because of what you're looking at. Say it again. Don't allow yourself to get depressed because of what you're looking at. Remember, Jehoshaphat said, our eyes are upon who? The Lord. If you keep looking at the circumstances, you will get depressed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me say it again. If you keep looking at the circumstances, you will get depressed. Like I said last week, you can't just keep looking at the bills and keep looking at the bills and keep looking at the bills and keep looking at the bills Every day, you've seen the bills already. They're not going to magically change before your eyes. You already know what they say. So you need to stop what? Looking at the bills. Come in and look at the word. The word every day. Come in, look at the word. The word every day. Come in, look at the word. The word every day. What you put in front of your eyes will affect you. Let me say it again. What you put in front of your eyes will affect you. And there are some people you don't need to put in front of your eyes. Why? Because every time you see them, they remind you of defeat. Come on, say amen, somebody. So he says, tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will what? Will be with you. So here we are down in the wilderness at the end of this brook. There are three armies in array against us. Now we're going down there against this army, and this army is well prepared. 
Come on, they've been planning this thing for a long time. Come on, say amen, somebody. And obviously, they got together. Come on, they got together to do this. And they are here to take us down. Come on, say amen, somebody. And murder us. They are here to murder us. They're here to murder us. They're here to take our wealth, take our wives, take our children, kill us, abuse my children, abuse my wife, mutilate them. And God says, go down there and face them. Go where? Go down there and what? Understand this, folks. Remember, there's three companies that are coming against him. Oh, he has one little army. But it never has to do with numbers with God. Do you remember Gideon? Go to Gideon, six, Judges 6.33. He was in a familiar situation. And it never has to do with numbers with God, folks. Judges 6.33. Notice he says, Then all the Midianites and the Malachites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jehiel. They were coming against the children of Israel. Matter of fact, they were like locusts for a multitude there. There were just so many of them. It looked like locusts. Look at Judges chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people that are with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well at Harad, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moray, amen, in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee, are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. In other words, they'll think they got themselves the victory and won't give me the glory. Come on, that's no different from today. People believe it was their studying to get their degree. They got them the job or position that they have right now. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. And see, there are some things God won't allow you to have the victory because why? You think it was you. And not him. And in some cases, he's waiting on you to humble yourself. Let me say it again. In some cases, he's waiting on you to humble yourself because you think you all that in a bag of chips. Everything you got, God gave you. Even the mind it took for you to study that exam, God gave it to you. And people get confused on that issue. And they think they've done all of that. You couldn't have done nothing without God. So in a lot of cases, he's waiting for you to humble yourself before he takes you to that next level. Because a lot of pride in there, what I have accomplished, what I have done. And you haven't given God the glory. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Verse 3, he says, now therefore go to and proclaim in the ears of the people saying, listen to this, whosoever is fearful and afraid, let them return, depart early from Mount Gilead. And their return of the people, 22,000. 
and there remained 10,000. 22,000 people got up and left because they were scared. That's over half your military force. And you're still facing the army that looks like locusts for a multitude. But even at this point, you can't go by what you see. I don't care how much you have left. Look at verse 4. And the Lord said unto Gideon, <laughs> there are yet too many. Wait, 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 wait. Did you see we face the Lord? And you said they are yet too many? We only have 10,000 against this multitude. And you're telling us we have too many? See, it's too many when you understand. It's, well, let's, let me put it another way. It's not too many when you understand there are more with you than there are with them. Come on, say amen, somebody. He said, there, there are yet too many. He said, bring them now to the water. And I will try them there. Listen to this. And I will try them for thee there. I'm going to try them for you there. I'm going to try them for you there. I'm going to show you what you really got. Why? Because who you think is on your side, who you think is ready to fight for you, when the going gets tough, they will leave you high and dry. Are you listening to me out here? And sometimes only God can reveal them to you because why? They're so well disguised and they talk a good game. Are you listening to me out here? And some people, you're only going to know their motives by the Spirit. So he says, and it shall be that whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee, and whosoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. Notice he says, who I say. Say it again. He said, who I say, whomsoever I say. In other words, in situations like this, you got to hear from God as to whether or not they are ready to stand with you or run when the kitchen gets hot. So in verse 5, so he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that bowed down his knees to drink. And it says, And a number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were how many? 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to do what? Drink water. Now remember, they're close to the enemy. The enemy can attack at any time. So you have those, when they seen water, they just dove in the water. They weren't thinking about anything but getting their needs met. I'm thirsty. Water, come on. 
while you have another group that understands the seriousness of the situation. So they're laughing and looking around. They're laughing and looking around. They're laughing and looking around so so they don't get caught off guard by the enemy. Come on, say amen, somebody. And the Lord said to Gideon, verse 7, by the 300 men that laugh will I save you and deliver the Midianites into thy hand and let all the other people go, every man unto his own place. Now we went down from 10,000 to 300. This is unheard of. I don't know if I want to be in his place right now. <laughs> that takes a lot of faith. I got I to gotta trust you now, God. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. How, we started this thing off with what, 32,000? <laughs> now we're down to 300. But remember, it's not about numbers to God. Let me say it again. It's not about numbers to God. It's about those who are committed. Let me say it again. It's about those who are committed. Those who understand the seriousness of the situation. And guess what? That's not everybody. Say it again. That's not everybody. Listen, it's not even about numbers when it comes to praying for this awakening. It's about those who understand the seriousness of what we're praying for. Those are the ones that God wants to come in here and pray every Sunday morning before service. Go on, pray every Wednesday morning, every Wednesday evening before service. Amen. If it's just me and Minister Walker coming here praying, God will still move on our behalf. Why? Because it's not about numbers. It's about being committed to what God wants to do in the Caribbean and what God wants to do, do throughout the world. That's what it's about. So verse 8, it says, So the people took victuals in their hands and their trumpets, and it said, All the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and retained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath them in the valley. And it came to pass the same night, somebody say the same night, and the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, and I will deliver, him, I will deliver it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou to Parah, thy servant down there, to thou, with, with thy servant Parah, thy servant down to the host. This is the grace of God in operation, folks. Because why? Remember, they didn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of them to give them that assurance. That peace that surpasses all understanding. Come on, say amen, somebody. They had to see a sign of some sort. So they wouldn't get into fear when God says go. And God said, I delivered this host into your hand. But in our case, listen, we don't need that. But he understood they needed a sign or they would be afraid. Come on, are you with me out there? And they wouldn't go. So he said, let me give them a sign. Verse 11. And it says, thou shalt hear... What they say. And afterwards, shall thy what? Hands be strengthened to go down unto the host. Listen, we don't need to hear what the enemy is saying, folks. All we need to know, what is God saying? 
Because we understand by the spirit of God in us that God's, what God says will come to pass. All I need is a word from the Lord. Come on, say amen, somebody. And what he, whatever he tells me, I know is going to come to pass. So we don't need to hear what the enemy says. Come on, say, you don't need to hear what the enemy says. Because what, what should strengthen us is what we get from God. And everybody in here has the ability to hear every voice, every word coming out the mouth of God. Let me say it again. Everyone in here has the ability to hear every word coming out the mouth of God. Because God said, my sheep hear my voice. Are you his sheep? He said, a stranger's voice you will not follow. So you have the ability to hear every word coming out the mouth of God. This is you got to add your faith to it. Then he goes on to say, then he went down to, with, with Perah, his servant, unto the outside of armed men that were in the host. And the Midianites and the Malachites and all the children of the east lay along the valley of valley like grasshoppers for multitudes. There's a lot of people out here. And their camels were without number. As the sand by the seaside for multitudes. Now, if you go over that hill and you see something like this and you think you've got 300 men, that can be mentally challenging. That's why God had to tell him, I want, I'm giving you a sign here. Come on, say amen, somebody. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came unto the tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow servant answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. And into his hands has God delivered Midian and all the hosts. Listen, the enemy already knows he's defeated. I'm going to say it again. The enemy already knows he's defeated. He already knows he can't stop what God has spoken out of his mouth. God just needs somebody. God just needs somebody. Come on, come on. To know that they already got the victory. But you still got to go forward. And you still got to get into the fight. So in verse 15 it says, And it was so, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, that he what? He began to give God glory, honor, and praise for what God just showed him, folks. And he returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise! For the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. He was, it was sealed now. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. God told them exactly what to do. Never in history was there a more foolish plan to go into battle. Come on, say amen. But being content, now that God gave him several signs, He's content that God was going to give him the victory. So he, he did what? He left the matter unto God. And he did exactly what God told him to do. He did exactly what God told him to do. Now the lamps they were talking about were torches, which smolder in a jar or a pitcher, 
and they burst into flame when taken out and weighed. So in verse 18, he says, When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Another way he said, When I give the signal, do what I do. Amen. So what did he do? So he blew the trumpet, broke the pitcher with the lamp in his hand. So likewise, the 300 men blew their trumpets, broke their pitchers with the lamp in their hand, and they, and, they, and they all said, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Man, who knows they mentioned the Lord first. Make sure they understood who was behind them. Come on, say amen, somebody. But it was the Lord that was what? Behind Gideon. But think about this. Can you imagine the enemy waking up to this? They're surrounded, and all they hear is glass breaking, flames blazing, and then the sound of trumpets all around them, and then people yelling from all sides, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and God amplifying it, making it sound like a huge army that suddenly made him attack. What did they do? They fled in all different directions, folks. They fled like there was an in invisible foe coming after them. Well, it wasn't an invisible foe. It was God. It was an invisible God causing them confusion in the camp. And what did everybody do? And everybody started killing each other until multitudes died in the camp and others ran away. But who got the glory for the victory? Who got the glory for the victory? Why? There's no way they could, took, they could take credit for what God had done. And sometimes God has to get you to that point where there's no way you can take credit for what God has done. Because what happened here was supernatural. And I'm here to tell you right now, God's about to do God's getting ready to do a supernatural work with you. All you have to do is follow his instructions and don't be scared. Do you hear me? Once again, it's not about numbers. Why? Because the methodology God wants to use sometimes, listen to me, sometimes to God Less is more. Sometimes more gets in the way. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So it's not numbers of God. It's not numbers of God. It's faith with God. It's what? Faith. God only took the ones that were prepared to do what God wanted them to do. Did it make sense? No. Why? You can't go by what you see. This is not sense, folks. This is God. Let me say it again. This is not sense. This is who? This is God. Now, going back to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18, let's see how they responded to their instructions. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 18. And it says that Joseph had bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the habits of Jerusalem fell before the Lord and did what? Worshiping the Lord. What did he do? He prostrated himself before God. 
And he didn't do it because he was afraid or dismayed, folks. He was grateful that there was a word from the Lord for him at the time of his trouble. Let me say it again. He was grateful that there was a word from the Lord for him at the time of his trouble. Listen, if you're someone who God is speaking to right now, you ought to be grateful that the Lord has given you a word. Anybody grateful in here? Now, it may not be the one you want to hear. And I'm not so certain that they wanted to hear, let's go down there and face them. Come on, say amen, somebody. It may not be the one they wanted to hear, but it was a word from God. And this man prostrated himself, and then they begin to worship the Lord. He got on his face and worshiped God. Hallelujah. He got on his face and did what? Worship God. And he was a man. He was a man. I see that's hard for men to do. I ain't getting my clothes dirty. That is not the cool thing to do right now. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. It was a man who prostrated himself before God. God needs more men to worship him. Because when a man worship God, it affects the entire family. It affects the children when they see their daddy worshiping God. It changes the whole atmosphere of the household when the man worships God. And not ashamed to worship God. Oh, okay, I didn't want to hear that either. This man prostrated himself. And then they began to worship the Lord. Verse 19, and the Levites and the children of the Korahites and the children of the Korites stood up. In other words, they got up from the ground. That means when they seen Jehoshaphat get his face on the ground, they all got on the ground. To do what? To praise. That word praise is hale, which means to celebrate. To what? Celebrate the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. What are they celebrating? They're celebrating victory. What do you mean victory? God said so. So we don't need to see so. If he said it, that's good enough for me. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, a celebration to them is horns blasting. People dancing while the enemy is still down there, folks. There are three armies sharpening their swords and their spears. Come on, getting their spears ready. And they're up there shouting, and they're up there shouting and dancing. And it says here, with a loud voice on high. What is it? They act like they believe the word of the Lord. Let me say it again. They act like they believed 
the word of the Lord. They're praising God for the victory before the battle. <laughs> They're praising God for the victory before the battle. That word praise also means to show. It means to boast. It even means to be clamorously foolish. <laughs> it means to rave and to celebrate. In other words, some of them were falling down on the ground acting like they were they had the biggest victory they've ever experienced in their entire life. Some of them were doing some crazy stuff, rolling on the floor. Come on, same as somebody, jumping up and down. Come on, dancing around. Hallelujah. Why? Because they believed what they heard. Because they what? Believed what they heard. See, you can tell if you believe what you heard by what you do. Let me say it again. You can tell if you believe what you heard by what you do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hold on now. We're going to give it time. We're going to get, we, we, I told you we're just warming up. We're just warming up, folks. And it says here, and they rose up early in the morning. Oh, Lord. They rose up early in the morning. Oh, Lord. They rose up early in the morning. If you're about to go into the worst battle of your life, most people are not willing to get up early to do that. Come on. But, one, but since they believed, they got up early saying, I can't wait to get this thing started. I can't wait to see this. This is going to be a good one. Come on. We get to get up early to see this. So they got up early in the morning, and they went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe your promise or believe his word, so shall you prosper. And verse 21, and when he had consulted with the people, he talked with the people. Well, let's see what we're going to do here, y'all. He appointed singers. He appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise him or celebrate the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. In other words, extend your hands before the God Almighty. Come on. Instead of, your, instead of lifting up your sword and your spear, they're going into battle with hands lifted up to the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. They're not thinking about the natural stuff. They're not thinking, all they're thinking about is I serve the God Almighty. And they're singing, praise the Lord. 
for his mercy endureth forever. It said his mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. Come on, his mercy endureth another. In other words, it's not like we deserve it. But there is the mercy of God. God is merciful. He said it, and his mercy is on us. See, mercy is different from judgment. See, justice is when you get what you deserve. Mercy is when you're guilty and you're given a pass anyway. Come on, say amen, somebody. They said his mercy endure forever. In other words, they have not always done the right things. They have not always been right. But his mercy was with them anyway. And they're going into this battle and they're going to win because God is good all the time. Come on. He is good all the time. Come on. He is good all the time. Every year, every month, every week, every day, every hour, every minute, every second, every microsecond. God is good all the time. Come on, say God is good. Verse 22. And when they begin to sing and to praise, and when they begin to sing and to praise, notice nothing, nothing happened until they begin to do something. Nothing happened until they begin to do something. Let me say it again. Nothing happened until they begin to do something. Listen, you got to do something. There's something you got to do. Now, they did part of it. Yeah, they went down to the battle. But the other part was they began to praise. They began to sing. Why? Praise. Praise is an expression of your faith in God. Let me say it again. Praise is an expression of your faith in God. When Satan says cry, that should prompt you to praise. When Satan says you should feel bad, that should prompt you to praise God. When Satan says somebody, and when Satan sends somebody to remind you of how bad things are, you need to praise God. When something gets in front of you and looks like there's no other way out, you need to begin to praise God. Hallelujah. 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 And if necessary, sing your own song. You may not even be able to carry a, t- a tune in a bucket, but it doesn't make any difference how you sound. Just make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You just begin to sing what God said. The Lord is on my side. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. Hallelujah. Whatever the Lord gives you to sing, 
you begin to do it. And when you do your part, count on God doing his. And it says, and when they begin to sing and to praise, the Lord set up ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, Malsur, which were to come against Judah, and they were smitten. Notice that the army showed up to fight. And when they showed up, there was Minister Walker and the singers. Come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Here they come singing. Here they come singing. Lord is good. Mercy endure forever. And yonder out comes the enemy, the army in front of them. See, most people, when they start singing, then they see the army coming towards them. Most of them start beginning the words they were singing. <laughs> and the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, you, the Lord, you have, the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and they start backing up. Come on, say amen, somebody. But not them. The enemy is coming forward. And they're coming forward. Now, the enemy probably did the same thing that Goliath did. The enemy's probably cussing at them, saying, hey, we're going to kill all y'all. It's all over now. Y'all are mine. The creditor said this. The court said that. The situation said this. The divorce attorney said that. The doctor said this. Come on. They're talking to you. But let me tell you what you got to do. Let me tell you what you got to do. You cannot keep quiet. You got to open up your mouth and you got to say something back. Hallelujah. You got to sing something back. You got to praise something back. You got to open up your mouth and you got to keep on moving forward. Say amen, somebody. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount early to slay and to destroy them. And when they had made an end to the inhabitants of Sarah, everyone helped to destroy another. God confused the enemy just like with Gideon until the enemy killed themselves. Listen to me. God will have people that are trying to hurt you wind up hurting themselves. Did you hear what I just said? God will have people that are trying to hurt you wind up hurting themselves. Come on, is there anybody here on the Lord's side? Come on, I want to hear those that are on the Lord's side. Make some noise! Why? Because if you're on the Lord's side, God is on your side. The Lord is on your side, folks. The Lord is on your side. What can man do unto thee? Look at Psalms 24, 7. It says, lift up your hands, all you gates. Be you lift up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory 
shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Hallelujah. That's who we serve. Hallelujah. Oh, we're not done yet. Go back to 2 Chronicles 20, verse 24. We're not, I said we just get warmed up. <laughs> 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 24. And when Judah came towards the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, there were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came, oh my shaky ma. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. The wealth of the sinner is laid up. Listen, when God sends you a blessing, don't tell God it ain't politically correct. Kenneth Copeland said years ago, if God sends you a St. Bernard with a bag of money around his neck, pet the dog and take the money. <laughs> Another person said, if, if God sends you a cow with money around his neck, milk the cow and take the money. Take everything God sends you and don't be ashamed of what God blesses you with. People want you to be ashamed of what God blesses you with because they don't have it. I guarantee you, that's why it, 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 it just bothers me when people talk about, oh, these pastors got this and they, they riding around in jets and they doing all this. And if God, if, somebody, if God gave them a jet, I guarantee you they wouldn't turn it down. If God gave them a brand new house, I guarantee you they wouldn't turn it down. But if God blesses you because of the seed that you have sown, what do you have to be ashamed about? And most of them are talking about you, the ones that want what you have. And because they ain't got it, their last resort is to talk about you. You got to get to the point, they're going to talk about me if I'm doing good. They're going to talk about me if I'm doing bad. So, who cares? Tell your neighbor, who cares? So it says, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. Come on, we're talking about my God. And they were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. In God the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
What makes you think God won't do it for you? Hallelujah. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakhan. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of the place is called today the Valley of Barakhan unto this day. Notice they blessed the Lord before they saw the victory. And they blessed the Lord after they got the victory. You'll find praising God, singing, shouting, dancing. Ben, you need to get up here. Smiling. Refuse to be in depression and fear. That's what puts you in a position to receive your victory, folks. And let me tell you cool people, that's not the time to be cool. That's not the time to be cool. If you, want, if you really want to get out your situation or you want God to show up supernaturally, that is not the time to be cool. That's not the time to be worried about what people think about you. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. You can't be standing up there talking about, I'm not going to be no fool. In other words, you must not be going through nothing. Or you must not have gone through something. Come on, because there's praising God before and after. Everybody stand to your feet. Has anybody been through something? Has anybody been through something? And you came out on the other side? Yeah. Are anybody going through something right now? And you want to come out on the other side? Now you can begin to give God praise. Come on. Come on, give him praise. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 